happy to do this for Mac and Julie. Um, I'm always honored to do it, to have Mac turn over his congregation to me. And my biggest fear is that I not run off at least half of you. So that's my goal today. But really, I really do enjoy giving Mac and Julie a time to either get away for vacation or whatnot, or to go share some of what this church family is doing in other places. Now, Mac started a series called Tough as Nails. And you can tell by the name, this is not a series where we're going to be talking about flowers and butterflies and holding hands and singing Kumbaya. This is a tough, hard-hitting series. And he started last week talking about tougher together, tougher together, when he was referring to the body of Christ, that we are tougher together as a body of Christ than outside of the body, swimming around in the world of sharks, and as he put it, rather than being in the boat with other Christ followers. Now next week, you don't want to miss it, next week is Mother's Day. Men, dads, children, next week is Mother's Day. Don't forget, because as we all know, if mama ain't happy, exactly. Now if you notice, this little side note, if you notice, they don't have a saying like that for dads. If dad ain't happy, Who cares? (laughs) If if dad ain't happy, it's probably because he didn't make mommy happy. (laughs) Next week, though, for Mother's Day, I'm going to sum it up with just two words. Julie Richard. You're not going to want to miss this. She's going to speak on um, one tough mutter. Mutter. M-U-D-D-E-R. Now, you don't want to miss that. I don't care who you are. But Max started us in a series last week on tough as nails, and he asked me to speak on tougher than hell. Tougher than hell. Now, before I launch into our study in Hebrews, uh, taking up where Mac left off last week, I, I think we have to go back to a basic foundational misconception about the faith. I think all of us know of and maybe focus a bit too much on the salvation part of the faith. And I'm not suggesting that's not important. It is the foundation of what we believe, that all of our sins have been forgiven. Salvation, that's the basis and the foundation of our faith. But I think so often we leave it there. And we don't realize where it goes from there. And, and I think so many times we get trapped in the, in the place where Delmer found himself trapped in the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, uh, and if you, if you all know me and have heard me before, you know I love that movie. It's one of my favorites, all times. But there are three convicts that escape off a prison farm, and they are off on their odyssey to find the hidden treasure. And along their trip, Delmer, and eventually Pete, find faith. Let's take a look at it. And by the way, y'all know that when I speak as a substitute teacher, we're going to watch movies. <laughs> that's... that's, that's That's what I do, and Mac ain't here, so ain't nothing he can say about it. (laughs) So let's watch this clip to get us started. Where's he going? Where 
Delmar been saved. Well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher done washed away all my sins and transgressions. It's a straight and narrow from here on out. And heaven everlasting's my reward. Delmar, what are you talking about? We got bigger fish to fry. The preacher said all my sins is washed away, including that Piggly Wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. Well, I was lying. And the preacher said that that sin's been washed away, too. Neither God nor man's got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. <sighs> I love that. Come on in, boys. The water is just fine. We're all going to get salvation. And oftentimes, that's where we leave it. But see, nothing in life changes from one minute before you accept faith and one minute after you accept faith. You still got life. And life is full of hell. Now, what is hell? Well, hell is a number of things. Hell is sin. Our individual sin. The sin that I wrestle with. The sin that you wrestle with. And our sins that we wrestle with may be different. I may wrestle with alcohol or drug abuse, and you may wrestle with anger or, or other or lust or other issues. But we all have our individual hell that we have to wrestle with. And then there's the sin of others around us, and we have to deal with it. We have to deal with the fallout from their sin. And let me tell you, if you have a family member that has an alcohol problem, everybody in the family has to deal with that. We have to deal with the sin of others at work who are lying and cheating or, or, or misrepresenting things on their books so they can get a bonus or, or get a promotion over you. And, and you won't do that because, well, that's not what you do. But we have to deal with the fallout from others' sin. And then hell can also be just life, things that just happen, natural disasters, accidents, mistakes, misunderstandings all of those things that happen in our everyday life. And it looks something like this. You're at work, and one of your coworkers has thrown you under the bus because it makes them look good and you look bad to cover up something they did. And you spend all day long trying to fix this misunderstanding that, where you've been thrown under the bus. Or you're at school, and you realize that one of your classmates are cheating on an exam so they can get in the top 10% and push you down or a coach is not being fair to you because, well, they kind of got their favorites. And then on the way home, somebody cuts in front of you and waves at you with just one finger. <laughs> and it ain't the index and it's not thumbs up. You got to deal with that, at least momentarily. And then you get home and your spouse is grouchy or cranky or in that mood. And then you, your kid, you figured out it's got an MIP that you got to deal with. It's minor in possession. Oh, and then you got your own individual temptation of overeating or, or drinking too much or doing something else too much. And sometimes it can get overwhelming. Sometimes you can feel like you're losing your grip. Now, I should have known better than to accept the teaching of this lesson from Mac. Because you can imagine what happened last week in my life. 
Yep, that's right. All hell broke loose. Everything, everything. Me and Johnita both. I mean, from aging parent issues to being thrown under the bus to lies being told to, I, let me tell you, it got so bad. Friday afternoon, I was driving to Albany. I had a function to go to in Albany, Texas. It was about a three or four hour drive. The entire trip, I was on the phone with people yelling at me, throwing me under the bus, and finally, the last person hung up on me. And I got, I mean, I was getting kind of ramped up. And I called, I had to, I, I had to call somebody. I called Johnita. I said, I don't know what's going on this week. And she goes, well, I guess you get to live what you preach. <laughs> I didn't like it. Because it's hell, and it ain't fun. The people in the early church went through the same thing. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, as you turn there in your cell phones or in your Bibles if you have them, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, which is where we're going to start today, taking up where Mac left off, starting in verse 32, chapter 10 of Hebrews. The people at that time were the people of the early church. And the writer of this letter to them knew them. And the writer of this letter knew what they had gone through in the early church. And apparently they were going through it again. But apparently some of them were getting overwhelmed and were about to lose their grip. And this part of the letter is written to Christ followers. These are people who followed Christ not long after his death. Otherwise, they're just like us, Christ followers. And this is a letter of encouragement, but it's hard-hitting encouragement, not butterflies and flowers. This is grit, not quit kind of encouragement. And he tells them, to get through this, you need to remember three things, you need to build two things, and you're going to get one thing that's pretty awesome. All right? So three, two, one. Remember three things, build two things, and get one really awesome thing. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. The first thing he tells them is to remember endurance. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted fully, and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession, and a lasting one. So the first thing he tells them is, remember what you've already gone through. Remember endurance. He says, think about it. So many times we've done things, we've got things, we've got the tools, but we don't think about it. We took a group of boys to Red River, New Mexico on a Boy Scout trip years ago. They were 13 years old. One, I think, was 12. And the purpose of the trip was just to give them a little hike where we we're going to go up this one mountain and we were going to stay at this one lake where we get water and then we we're going to come back down the mountain, go to a second mountain, stay at another lake, but we we're going to stay for two or three days, fish and do whatever, and then come back down the mountain. Now, if any of you have ever been involved with Boy Scouts, every Boy Scout outing borderlines on disaster. <laughs> All of them. This one was no different. 
because we went on this trip on June 13th of that year, and that year they had record snows in the Rockies and all throughout the West and even here in Texas. We were there June 13th. We went on the trails, which we found out later weren't officially open, and the, the trails still had snow in them, and I don't mean snow under your feet. I mean snow in some places up to your knees and higher. And we had 13-year-old boys with backpacks. That first mountain we went up, I mean, it was bad. I, I wasn't sure we were all going to make it. We had to grab backpacks from people and help them up, and I'm talking about the grown-ups. <laughs> we finally made it to the top, barely. We replenished our water. We camped out, hiked back down the next day, went up to the second mountain, hiked all day, and as we were rounding the mountain to get to the lake we needed to get to, we realized there was a snow and ice sheet that had covered the trail that we couldn't get across because as you tried to walk across it, you would slide down about 500 yards into some boulders and rocks. But it was too late to turn back and get back down the mountain to base camp because it was dark or getting dark. And we were running out of water. So we turned around, walked back about three quarters of a mile, found a place to camp out. And it was not fun. We were tired. Some people were getting kind of cranky. But then we realized, wait a minute. We're Boy Scouts. We have fire starter. We got our tents. We taught the boys how to tie knots. They went into the woods, got snow. We started fires. We melted snow, drank water. It was a little ashy and tasted like smoke. <laughs> but you know what? We survived. But we had to think about endurance. We're ready for this. We've trained for this. This is what we do. And we made it through. And this is the letter to the Hebrews. And, hey, don't panic. You've got this. You endured sufferings back when you were persecuted for being Christ followers. And you did it. And the message here is an athletic message. It's an endurance message of athleticism. Once you run a mile, you know you can run a mile. Once you cycle 25 miles, you know you can get on your bicycle and go 25 miles. Once you swim four laps up and down the pool, you know I can at least swim four laps up and down the pool. So he says, remember that. You've got this. You've done this. And once you do it once, you can do it again. The second thing he told them to remember is remember joy. He says, don't go through what you're having to endure, pouty, in a bad mood, angry. Go through it with joy. And he told them, think about it. Remember, remember when they took your possessions, when you would go see your friends in jail and they would take your bank account, it was okay. It was okay. Because you had something more valuable than what they took. I want you all to write this down. This is so important. I want you to write it down if you got something to write with. How do you, how do, you do this? How do you do this joy thing? We face hell with joy because you know that you have something better than whatever you stand to lose. We face hell with joy because you know you have something better than whatever you stand to lose. Now, I know people who face hell with anger. I know some highly successful people who are driven by anger. 
They're angry with their parents. They're angry with siblings. They're angry because of something that happened in their historical past, and it drives them. And by all outside accounts, it drives them to success. But they leave behind them a path of destruction, a wake of destruction. But if you face a sickness, if you face lies, if you face cheating, if you face a scandal with joy, you're going to leave behind a very different wake. Because somebody's going to come across that wake and go, man, I don't know who this person is, but they've got something special, and I want some of that. The third thing he tells them to think about and to remember is your friends. He says, remember your faithful friends, the people who stood by you, the people who stood with you as you were going through that thing that you went through back as first first generation, second generation Christ followers. Remember they came to see you in prison. Remember you went to see them in prison. Having faithful friends is a must sometimes when we're going through hell. There's no substitute for it. Um, That is why we have our gathering here at church. So we can get to see and know and talk to others who are going through something similar that we're going through. That's why in the program you'll see these various groups in the church so that we can provide support for each other as we're going through hell. And often what you find is that others are experiencing the same thing that you're experiencing or or have something similar that happened in their life. And the other thing you find is that somebody else is doing worse than you or they've got it worse than you and your little problem doesn't seem so bad compared to theirs. He says, don't forget your faithful friends around you and that everybody's sharing in what you're going through, and we're going to pull alongside and put our shoulders under yours, and we're going to carry you when you can't seem to go anymore. He says, so remember those three things. Remember endurance. You got this. You've done this. Remember joy. Don't be a curmudgeon. Hold your head up and be happy. Be joyful that you're going through. It's not going to feel good, but know you've got a better outcome. And then don't forget you've got friends. If you can do those three things, if you can do those three things, something wonderful happens. Two things happen. One, you build confidence. Let's look at it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Now, notice how they use the word confidence. They said, don't throw confidence away. So let me make sure I got this right. If I do the endurance, and I have the joy, and I surround myself with faithful friends, confidence happens. Confidence happens. He says, but don't throw it away. If you do those three things, confidence is going to happen. Don't just abandon it. Build on it. When I was a little kid, I grew up on a ranch, and and I had a Shetland pony at five years old. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about Shetland ponies, let me tell you, they are one of the meanest animals God ever created. (laughs) Everybody talks about the Cape Buffalo and how many people it kills in Africa. Shetland ponies are ten times worse than Cape Buffalo. 
My Shetland pony used to love to get me on a straight run and then do a sudden stop and turn right without prompting, I might add. So I would get on this little Shetland pony as a little kid, and my dad used to ask me, son, are you scared? And I would say, no, sir. He would say, well, are you scared? You're going to get scared? Okay, let's go back to the first question. I'm actually scared now. <laughs> yeah. But what he was trying to tell me is, son, I've taught you how to ride a horse. I- I've taught you how to handle yourself in the saddle and use your feet for support and you do the reins. You've got everything you need in your hand to ride this horse. Now, go. And that's what he's telling the people at the time. You've got everything you need. Now, build confidence. Know that you got this. The second thing that happens is you build perseverance. Look at verse 38, chapter 10. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Now, perseverance... This, this is talking about pushing forward, the, the pushing forward and hanging in there. This is a battle, and we don't shrink back when we're, when we're going into battle. We, we're, we're issued our gear, we issued our weapons. When the battle starts, we don't shrink back. We push forward. We push forward into hell that we're facing because we're prepared, we're ready, we got the tools, we got the bow, we got the arrow, we got the gun, we got the whatever we need to fight. And that's the message here. Push forward. Persevere. If any of you ever run as fast as you can around a track, that's one of the hardest things you can do. I have a nephew that runs track for AM. He runs the 400-meter hurdles. You don't just show up at a Division I school, Baylor, Texas A&M, Texas, Rice, TCU. You don't show up at those schools, put on a pair of gym shorts, and say, I'm, I'm on the track team and I'm going to run 400-meter hurdles. That's not the way that works. You have to go through some pain to get to where you're invited to run for a school like that. You have to build perseverance to be able to run that race under a time to qualify for a Division I school. And it hurts. Have you ever noticed that whenever anybody talks about perseverance, they're not talking about eating donuts? or second helping of bluebell ice cream. You don't need perseverance for that. You need perseverance for pain. You need perseverance when it hurts. And hell hurts. Life can be painful. And it can last a long time. And he's telling them, build perseverance because you know you got the confidence because you can remember all of the other stuff that you've gone through. And you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. And then what happens? Something wonderful. Something wonderful. If you can remember the three things, what you have endured, once you do 10 push-ups, you know you can do 10 push-ups again. If you can remember that you get through this with joy because of what you know you've got, which is better than whatever you stand to lose, and if you can remember that you've got friends to help you through it, 
If you can remember those three things, and if you can build on your confidence, and if you can persevere, then you are going to get one great and awesome reward. And let's look at what that is. Romans, Romans chapter 3. It's called hope. And not only this, verse 3, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, we all are going to have trials. We all are going to have tribulations. Some of those trials are individual trials within ourselves. Some of those trials are dealing with other people. We're all going to have them. He says, if you handle that right, you're going to build perseverance. It's going to happen. And if you handle that right, you then get character. And what is that character? You're going to get that character as a solid individual of faith. A solid individual of faith. And when you got that character, you know what else you get? You get hope. You get hope that nothing you face is too much. I have a friend who lives in another city. They're not a close friend, but they're a friend. And we were at a social function, and I knew this friend had a child that had drug and alcohol abuse problems. But by all outward appearance, things were going well, this child was working, this child was married. And so cordial and making conversation, I asked about this child. And when I asked about this child, my friend, I, her eyes started to well up with tears and she sort of dropped her head and said, And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. She said, we're taking this child back to rehab tomorrow. And I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. I said, what about the marriage? She said, they're getting divorced. And as the tears started to well up in her eyes even more, she said, all this child seems to want to do is to kill themselves and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I'm really sorry. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for your family. Um, and that's kind of where we left the conversation. A few weeks later, I woke up one morning, and that family was on my mind. I don't know why. Again, I, as I mentioned, they're not close friends, but they're friends, someone that we know. But it was, they were on my heart. And so I sent her a simple text that said, hey, just thinking about you and praying for you, you do not need to respond. But she did respond. And she said, thank you so much. Things are actually looking up. The prayers are helping. Please keep them coming. And I said, will do. Signed off. I didn't want to get in their business. We are surrounded by hopelessness. 
There's hopelessness in our families. There's hopelessness within ourselves. There's hopelessness in our country. And as Christ followers, that ain't us. That's not the way we roll. We are hopeful no matter what. It doesn't matter how tough it seems. We are hopeful. We don't care who runs for president or who wins. We are hopeful because we are Christ followers and that's what we do. There is no trial, there is no tribulation that is hopeless for us because we have a God that loves us too much to let us fail. And so as Christ followers, we are called upon in today's lesson to stop it. Let's be hopeful. We're going to stand up and say, it's okay, and it's going to be okay. Because we are the body of the Christ, and we pull up next to each other, and when we know that one is suffering, we're going to pull up, we're going to put our arm under their shoulders, and we'll carry them a while if they can't do it themselves. Because that's what we do. It's never hopeless. We got this because God loves us too much. Let's end with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come with bowed heads and humble hearts. First of all, asking you to forgive us for our hopelessness. Forgive us for forgetting that we have endured in the past. For forgetting that we have prayed to you and you have blessed us. That we have prayed to you and you have committed miracles in our lives. That we have prayed to you and you have committed miracles in the lives of others. That we have seen and witnessed ourselves and yet we forget. So forgive us for that. And forgive us for not being joyous as we go through our pain, as we go through our hell, when we get moody, when we get angry, when we take it out on others. Forgive us. And help us. Help us to remember. Help us to be a friend to someone else who is suffering, who can't see the path forward. Let us be the light because that's what we're called to do. Then help us to build our confidence. We're not negative. We look on the bright side because we know there is one. Because you promised there is one. Help us to remember. Help us to build. Give us perseverance. It's not always fun. But give us perseverance. 
because we know ultimately our hope is in you. That you love us unconditionally. And you love us too much to let us fail. If there is someone here that has not accepted you, if there's someone here who's searching, who's tired, who's about to lose their grip, they've been fighting their sin. They've been dealing with somebody else's sin. They're going through hell. And they've never given their life over to you or accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Perhaps today is their day. If that is you, we want you to do something. If you're ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that right here, right now. It's easy. All you got to do is quietly to yourself while everybody's head is bowed, everybody's heart is open. Just say, I'm tired and I'm ready to give my life over to you. I confess my sins. I, I repent. I'm ready to call you Lord and I'm ready to call you Savior because I don't have it figured out. And if you make that prayer, at this church, we want you to do something to mark it. We want you to do something that's meaningful. With every head bowed, we want you to raise your hand. Quietly, subtly, just raise your hand. Because this day is special. This moment is special. Nothing will be the same after this day for you. And if that is you, if you've got your hand raised, we want you to do something else. At the end of the service, we want you to find someone with a blue LHC t-shirt or go to the blue tent at the front of the church and tell someone, tell them you did that today. We won't harass you, but we want to pull alongside and be that faithful friend. And we do one more thing here at this church to celebrate this special moment. As you put your hand down, we put our hands together in celebration.